Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today, I'm in conversation with Busi Bango, the Executive Director of Empretech. Enjoy this truly inspirational conversation. <music> Precious Bango, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. Good morning. I, I, I always say to people, I don't take your being here for granted because mm -hmm. I, I shouldn't. <laughs> you are a very busy person mm -hmm. and it has taken us a long time <laughs> to finally get you to be here, Busi. I'm so yeah. grateful. Mm. Busi, as, as I was reading your um, uh, bio that you sent to me, I, I laughed when I I got to this uh, tug of war where your father called you, um, uh, your, your father called you precious. Mm -hmm. Your mother called you Sibusesiwe. Mm -hmm. You are the fifth in a family of four boys and four girls. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about why your father decided uh, you'd be precious and mommy decided to be Sibusesiwe. I think... Um... From what they then told me, as I could understand, my dad always looked at me as the gem. And I think as we talk, yeah. you will see where this whole thinking comes from. Mm. And my mom was a typical um, Christian-based woman, but a businesswoman as well, very grounded. Mm. And as you would understand, for those that understand uh, the language, Sibusisiwe means we are blessed, or takumborewa in Shona. So I guess my mother, it came from there. And even though I was the fifth child, I would like to believe that they saw a blessing in me. And, and precious um, for my dad, I guess there was also the idea that I'm the man, uh, education and all that. I'm going to give my daughter the name Precious, which is English, but obviously which has got also positive meanings to it. Mm. So that's how I've always handled it. And I believe that's how I've always lived my life, even when my, both my parents are still alive. Mm. So it came from there. And you grew, you were born in Makokova. Yes. Um, and uh, you grew up in, uh, in Luveve. Mm. Talk to me about this rich upbringing uh, to... A businesswoman and a businessman raising you up in those dusty streets, as you call them, mm -hmm. of Makokoba. And all of us that know Makokoba, mm -hmm. Makokoba is the rough and tumble. It's uh, almost uh, like Mbaremsika at some point. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think the rough and tumble, but I believe that in the rough and tumble, that's where the jewels come from. Uh, I learned a lot growing up in Makokoba. Though I left Makokova, I think I was doing grade six when we left that suburb. But in there, because you'd have to wake up in the morning, do whatever you needed to do, go to school. And it was not what we do with our children now, where you drive the kids to school. 
they had to, we had to walk to school, no matter what the weather was. And uh, maybe let me add on to there that from the time I was born, I, I never saw my dad going to work. He was already in business. Mm. And they ran a fleet of taxis. Mm. And there were cars that were there. But I don't recall a day when I was driven to school in a car. Mm. We all walked, all of us, different schools. Uh, my brothers, my sisters, we all had to walk and walk back home. Um, it was also a time I recall very vividly that you'd go in the morning, lunchtime, would come back home, walk back home, eat whatever there is lunch there, and walk back to be at school on time by 2 o'clock to start the afternoon lessons. What school lessons. was this? Was this was Loche Primary School. All right. Yes. So, and, and as you say, this dusty streets of Makokova, we grew up like any other kid. To remind me, the water was communal. Yes, yes, the water so was So you went to points where you'd fetch water in a bucket and bring it home. Exactly. You had to do that. The ablution facilities were communal, you know. So we did all that, though later my parents obviously had to put up their own systems mm. and all that at home. Mm. But at the start, it was all communal. So talk to me about the streetwise. Uh, uh, you, you said you, you, you got the what? The streetwiseness? Um, the street wisdom. Wisdom, the street wisdom. Mm. Talk to me about the street wisdom from Makokoba, which uh, I suppose is going to be a lot of people watching that have grown up mm. in Barre uh, mm. and places like Highfield. Mm. There's a lot of wisdom that comes from growing in that environment. I think it's, it's, um, it's not an easy ride growing in those suburbs. You have to be sharp. You have to understand what the other kids are doing. It's, 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 it's a rough environment, but it's also got its own positive because, as we say, you don't only learn about life only from the positive things. You also learn about life from the negative th things that happen around you. So you understand to, to know how to avoid the dangers that are in your vicinity through coming across those dangers naturally. So that, that's where most of my street wisdom came from. The fights with other kids in the street. I mean, <laughs> when you look at it now, I think that um, when I look at what I went through, I say to myself, but why did I ever do that? <laughs> Was it really necessary? Yeah. You know, but at times you see how you then helped other kids uh, uh, to understand, particularly I recall an incident where we had a child who came from one other part of the country and they could not speak the language, mm. which was Ndevele. It was, Ndevele was dominant, obviously, then in Bulawayo. And she could not speak the language. And some other kids were mocking her because they could not understand the, the language that she was speaking. But some of us, we reached out to her to try and understand her and to befriend her and to be, you know, but that roughness that she went through, you could see that this is not an easy ride kind of environment. Mm. You just have to sharpen up. Mm. And I believe with time, she also sharpened up. Mm. It's friendships like this that you keep for a long time. And that girl, we still good friends really? to today. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and talk to me, your, your father was in business, yes. uh, Texas, and eventually... Buses? No? Just taxis? No, no, no. Just taxis. Mm -hmm. Him and his, my, my, my dad, they were twins. Okay. They were the firstborn in their family and they were the only guys. So it was just the two brothers, firstborns, and then the rest were all aunties. The, the names? Um, 
my father was Kay Nicholson, mm -hmm. and his his brother was Benson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they they were in the business of taxes, both of them, uh, and then they are pioneers. Pioneers. They yeah. were pioneers during the time when we had obviously the colonial uh, government, and they 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 and, and I believe some of the wisdom business wise come from the experiences and seeing them doing what they had to do. Mm -hmm. uh, they. Pioneers, I believe, they fought the economic battles mm. of, of, of Zimbabwe at that time because the, the rules were not obviously fair for, for black business people or black business persons, yeah. if I put it like that. You, you, you had situations where your municipal bylaws and your regulations were more inhibitive mm. to black-owned businesses. And I think some of the the, the contentions around liberation came from there that, look, we realize that we are not being treated equally. Even when you genuinely want to fend for your families and you want to run your business in a clean manner. Uh, I recall stories that my parents would tell me that they were not, their taxes were not allowed to park at certain parts of the city. They only had to park in the townships, in the peripheral, you know, those that know mm. Lawayo, Lopengula Street, that's where they ended. You could not get into town. And and, and my, my dad and his twin brother, they were quite naughty, if I can put it like that. You might know Selborne Hotel yeah, in Bulawayo. Yes. At times they would... Opposite the city. Um, opposite the city wall. Yeah. Yes. They would drive their taxis and park in there because Selborne Hotel then was the hotel. Park in there because they wanted the clientele that comes out of the hotel. And park the car, come out of the car, just stand by the pavement and watch if somebody will ask for a, a, a taxi. The competing uh, business then was the Rixi taxis, oh, right. for those that know. Rixi taxis were the bigger. Uh, I don't know whether they were white-owned or what, I'm not sure. Mm. But my the black business people were not allowed to. to what is your father's taxis called? What is Bango family taxis, yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Very simple. Blue in color, well. were they blue or? No, they were white. White? Yeah, mostly white. Okay. Yeah, at times you'd have the other colors yes. if they bought yeah. a new car, yeah. but they were mostly white in color yeah. with um, the Highlanders colors, no. let me say. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me, Lucy, now about what your father taught you. I mean, the, when you look back and say, this is what I got from my father, this is what I got from my mother, in terms of values, in terms of principles, that, that still anchors you now. I think hard work. Mm. Yeah. They taught me hard work. They taught me how to handle money. Up to today, I think those lessons are still pertinent. They taught me at that age about investments. And mind you, it's not just me, but the whole family, but we, we're talking about, yes. uh, you know. So they taught me how to handle money. You know, when you have money, what do you do? Uh, um, of course, when we were growing up, you had all the drivers and they would come and cash up. So we looked at that. We understood that if they've made collections during the day, all the money should be counted put together in, in the know, evening. In the evening. We know that we've got this. And the drivers would come the following morning, they take the taxis, they go apply their trade, come. At times, if it's busy, they would come lunchtime. You know, they had an office in um, in the in the township there in Makokova, my, my parents. So they would go there every day to their office. The drivers would come and surrender the takings. Lunchtime, go back, 
and, and play their trade. But for us uh, as kids, we, we learned how to hang money at a very, very early age. Mm. I recall um, every evening when the cars were parked, would get into the taxis and start searching for coins that have <laughs> fallen <laughs> off the pockets of the drivers. Yeah. And, um, and um, all, every day I can say we had pocket money at school. From the droppings. From the uh, droppings. You'd pick up, if you pick a tiki or a penny. a lot of money. Of, oh, it has a lot of money then. So the other kids in the schools would always know that, oh, be friends with Musa, she's got money in there. She'll <laughs> buy you a cookie or something like that. So uh, uh, that's what it was. But they taught me about that. They taught me about investments. Mm. Yeah, I recall very vividly when I think I passed um, A-levels. And my dad, I think they had managed to actually save quite a chunk of money. And my parents called me and we sat outside. We're now living in Luveve. Sat outside and they told me that, uh, we'll see, we've got so much money. And we wanted to find out what do you think we should do wow. with the money. You know, that was the highest affirmation that I had wow. received as a young girl. I said, oh, How I old were you? I think I had just passed either A levels or form four. Right. But I recall very well my 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 eldest brother was now obviously it, uh, lived overseas. My two sisters were now married, and uh, my other brother was still at home. Um, I'm talking about the elder yeah, ones. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, it was the greatest affirmation to say, "Oh, my mom and dad trust me to actually contribute to how they can." make this kind of investment. Mm. That time I didn't know that it was an investment. I mean, it was to say, we've got this money. Mm. What business do you think we could do? Mm. You know, so uh, uh, they taught me that. Mm. Work hard, uh, honesty and integrity uh, when you're dealing with people. My parents were leaders in the community where we lived. I mean, people looked up to them. They also helped a lot of people uh, 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 about their livelihoods, whether it was you have a community, you've got people that are suffering. My parents were always the go-to mm. family. That and you, you have carried that on because right now you are helping quite a number of people, isn't it? I have, mm. I have. And even at the family level, uh, uh, um, on both sides, maternal side and paternal side, yeah. I've carried quite a lot of chunk with um, helping the, the family, which to me is, is really, and I think it Lent it for my parents. Mm. My my parents were always giving, giving, giving. Mm. And they looked after a lot of other people on my mother's side, on my father's side. And uh, we grew up with a lot of people in the house, you know. So I, I think it's it's one of the things that I learned from. But those are the lessons that mm. I got from them. Great lessons, great lessons. Yeah. And, and, and uh, as we talk, people will see those lessons coming through in terms mm. of uh, uh, your, your life. A funny but real story about mm. how we viewed you people in Lviv. Mm. We grew up in, uh, I grew up in Makwekwe, mm -hmm. uh, Dark City, and then uh, Makwekwe North. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember when uh, the Dark City, mm -hmm. we, we, we didn't have 
footballs. Yeah. Uh, so I, I had a friend who would say, let's go and steal from those guys in Louvain. They have lots of things. So we would go to Louvain mm -hmm. and walk around. When we saw balls lying around in your big gardens, mm -hmm. we would jump over the fence and run away with the balls. <laughs> I'm sure you're not yeah. aware of that. But no, I'm not. this is the naughtiness of uh, of, of growing really? up. Thank God it's yeah. it's all behind. You, you were describing an amazing upbringing. Mm. From Lozike, where did you go to? Uh, from Loche, I went to Mafagela. Loche, sorry, Loche, yes. yes. I went for Mafagela yeah. for my um, grade seven. Right. That's that's when we had moved uh, um, houses. Uh, my parents bought a house in, in Old Luveve initially, uh, but we ended up in Kwabalanda, which was really now your suburb. You've arrived, yeah. <laughs> you have arrived in Kwabalanda. And yeah. our house was one of the, the two biggest houses with French doors, French windows, and all that. But it, it, it was still, we were still the, the girl from the township. Mm. No matter that we are now in a semi-suburb uh, kind of uh, uh, situation. Um, I went to Mafagela, and maybe let me add there that I was really a great sports girl. Oh, right. Yes, I played netball. I, 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 I ran athletics. I um, swam. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a really good swimmer. Competed with other schools. So, got to Mafagela is a new school for me. But I think what made me get more accepted, you know how when you are new to a school, mm. the other students tend to, you know, do all sorts of things to you. Yeah. But I think because I excelled in the sports side of things, um, they knew that that girl, and it was tiny, very tiny. Um, in netball, I would run circles around all the defenders and all that. I was, I always played center. Uh, because I had all the energy, I would run right through the, the netball court. So I, I, I became accepted because of my sports. That was your passport into that was my this passport new community. In, into the new community, yes. Um, and again, we got there and, um, uh, um, obviously the family got accepted mm. quite well with, mm. with parents who could assist. Yeah. I had actually last week, uh, one of the young guys that grew up in the same, same suburb with us. I think they got to Luveve before us. And he, he came to my house and he says, it's smooth. Mm -hmm. I said, yes, it's been a long time. He was the same age with my young brother. So I called my young brother and said, but you didn't remember that I had forgotten him. He's got, he's got a high position here in the country now. So I said, um, I said, I can't ever forget growing up in that suburb. It was, it was beautiful. beautiful. It was really beautiful. nice. Yeah. So I went to Mafagela. After, after Mafagela, where did you go After to? Mafagela, I went to Hope Fountain. Mm. Uh, secondary school. Boarding, 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 boarding school. school. Yes. Yeah. But there was a tug of war there. Mm -hmm. my, mom, my mom comes from Escodini. And Hope Fountain is in Escodini. So she, she pushed me there because she knew she had cousins and relatives who would look after me. Yeah. So every weekend, my aunts, my mother's cousins, would actually come and take me from the school. Right. And I would go and spend the weekend with them, go to church with them, and then after church on Sunday, go home, eat nice food that I would have prepared. Ho not like homemade the boarding food, school. not the boarding school not food. Not the boarding yeah? school food, right. yes. And then they would take me uh, back to school in the evening. So it was more my mom who was saying, she's still a little girl, even though I mean I was now a big girl. She's still a little girl. We she are always their children, aren't we? It doesn't matter how old we are. Yeah. I know. So... 
that was that. After that, I went to Tewane, right. uh, which is obviously in Plum Tree. Mm. I mean, I'm Kalanga. Mm. So my dad felt that now it's my turn. She needs to, to go to my to my territory. And obviously, again, grew up there, sportsmanship. Mm. Um, in the Do you still sp play any sports at all? No. No. Not anymore. I, I try and walk. <laughs> But in my older age, I did a lot of gym. Mm. I went to the gym quite a lot. Mm. Uh, I, I walked, but no sports not anymore. Sports anymore. Yeah. So. So, do you, uh, Hope, Hope Fountain, um, where did you do your A's and then university? I did my A's at Nziligazi. This oh, was now because of the school. war. You okay. know how in Taiwan. My school. I tell people it's my school. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in Taiwan, you. Because of the war, a lot of the oh, students yes. were being abducted. So we had a lot of boys, and my father really was uncomfortable with that. So I ended up in Ziligazi for my uh, high school. Mm -hmm. And uh, now it's now a, a, a day school. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when uh, I got now, because I'm coming from Eluveve, it's a long distance. A number of times my dad would drop me at school. Yes, yeah. but he ended up um, arranging a, a lift club mm -hmm. with um, um, a lady who was a nurse, a senior nurse at um, MP. Yes, yes. so she would just drop us. Yeah. And, um, my dad, my parents would organize fuel and mm -hmm. all that. Yeah. And then you, you, you passed very well. Yes. And then you get to go to the University of Zimbabwe. University. You wanted to do law. Yes. Tell me why you changed no, your mind. No, I offered. I'd been offered a place in law, and uh, on on on. You know when you register yeah. on the day, you've got all this department of whatever, and I saw Bachelor of Business Studies or whatever under the Commerce Faculty, and Commerce and Law then were under the same yes, faculty for, yeah. actually. Yeah. So I see Bachelor of Business Studies. I said, Oh no, I'm I'm more into business than this law law stuff. So I just made a beeline and registered for a Bachelor of Business Studies. It was a fairly new degree, mm -hmm. but it spoke to me. And I believe... Did it speak to you because of your growing up experience with your dad, uh, the taxis seeing, sitting down with them and asking you, what do we want to do with this money? And decided, no, law is not where I want to go about this. Yes, I think it was more, that was really the, you know, the drawing yeah. card that yeah. pulled me to Bachelor of Business Studies degree mm. more than the law degree. But even when I did Bachelor of Business, I took some law subjects. Okay. Yeah, I took uh, um, company law. I did company law mm. as a subject. Mm. I did law of agency, you know, as a subject. So I still was able to get insight into the law, mm. uh, but more inclined into the business side of things. Mm. Yeah. Your, your first, one of your first jobs was with uh, the Bulawayo City Council. Yes. And um, it, it played a big role in, 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 in molding you into which direction you'd take. Talk to me about mm. that assignment. You seem to enjoy it. It, it, it mm. uh, took you into places which are still useful up to now. Absolutely. I mean, it was, I mean, that time Bulawayo City Council was the best run city council. And I, 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 I got a job in the uh, treasury department. Right. Yeah, did everything. And there was quite a number of us, newly graduated uh, black young people, and um, I think there was about five or six of us who were recruited at the same time. Uh, some went into the town clerk's department, some went into the engineering department, housing. 
community services. I went into the finance department and ended up under the city treasury department. And I, I, I got to learn quite a lot of the different functions. Um, went into uh, um, what we call the consumer section then. Mm -hmm. And the consumer section was where you paid for your electricity before we had ZESA. Uh, the council used to run, you know, the electricity functions and the water functions. So I ended up being in charge of the electricity and water section mm. uh, of the council, um, being the officer in charge of that section. But the best time in my life was when I went into the finance unit within the city council. And that's when I then really got to learn about, because let me say, Bachelor of Business Studies, I majored in finance. And marketing. marketing, yeah. And in the finance, we also did international finance. So I ended up in the finance unit, and that's when I got to learn how to apply some of the things, quite a lot of the things that I had learned at university. So my learning became very practical in that um, daily we would get an indication. We actually managed the cash flow of the council, the Wall City Council. So on a daily basis, before 11 o'clock, we would get uh, information from the different sort of like uh, profit centers, if I can call that. Department. Which De yes, centers. units. Yes. Like, for example, um, beer, the beer gardens, yes. exactly. The electricity and water, yeah. you know. The, um, what was the other unit? The housing units where people now were paying Pay rent. Rents. Exactly. So all the profit centers, they would phone in to our unit. There were four of us in that unit. We had our accountant who was ahead uh, of us. And then there were three of us doing the, the cash flows. So they would phone in to say, this is what we collected. This is what we are banking, actually. We are banking so much today. So daily would know so much money has gone into the council. And it's been banked. And would know what are the obligations. Uh, are we paying whatever stepping off issue where like your engineering people, roads engineers, water engineers, electrical engineers. So we would actually do the cash flow, plan the cash flow of the council. Salaries would know salaries on such and such a date have to be paid, paid. But in between, if there are no obligations and we see that we've got excess cash, would phone Harari. Your discount companies, your bars, your DCZs, uh, money market, and start to invest the excess cash. So it was such an exciting time because what I'd learned at university was becoming real. But more so to know that you are planning the cash flows of this whole big city, mm. the best run city in the country. What was your town clerk then? Oh, my, my oh, wow. The best Perhaps one of the best administrators this country has ever produced. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Memories. So, Sweet memories. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 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 so beautiful. You know, the, this, the, the city was run like a company. It was. You, you, it, it owned the power generation units. Yes. Um, yes. It owned the beer gardens. Exactly. There were profit centers. Mm. They provided social services, social amenities coming out of that. Mm. But all that's gone now. It's it? gone. It's gone. It's yeah. it's so sad. At one time I was saying, should I go and apply to be <laughs> mayor? But, you know, when you had your executive mayors, because yeah. uh, to really say, can we get the city back to what it used mm. to be? What can be done, mm -hmm. you know? When was the last time you went to Makokova? 
I've taken my kids there three times. And? To show them the house where I was born and brought up. Mm. And? And uh, they, were, they were obviously living in Borodale here. Mm. They were actually shocked. Mama, I said, yes, that's where I grew up. That's where I was born. Mm. So you can see, you can start from there and become something. Mm. You know, through sheer hard work, mm. through honesty and integrity, you can do it. Mm. So it was really exciting. But the beauty of it is that the very same family that bought that house from my parents still lives there. Yeah. So I went in, took my kids. We didn't just drive past. So I said, no, park the car. Let's knock in and see. We knocked and uh, this elderly woman comes up and she says, hello, Mdanami. I said, mom, how are you? I introduced myself. Mm -hmm. I'm Bango. She said, are you Bango's daughter? I said, yes. She says, they are the people that sold us this house. I said, no, mama, you can't. Wow. You know. So my kids were really surprised. I said, these are my kids. I wanted to show them that this is where I was born and brought up. Let me tell you about my experience. Mm. I, I, I went back to 1212, yes. a dark city um, mm. in, in, in Makwego. And uh, my heart was broken mm. when I discovered, you know, you discover that People don't have any water anymore. Things mm. we took for granted. The sewer is yeah, all over all the over street. The place, yeah, um, yeah it, it broke my heart. Oh, that used mm. to be a beautiful place. The roads, are, you can't drive through the mm. roads anymore. You They're can't. dust roads. You can't. Uh, we used to mm. drive our tires, which, we, which were cars to us, mm -hmm. but it's no longer happening. Mm. Anyway, you left um, the Bulawayo City Council in frustration. Yes. Because you <laughs> had been applying to go and do further studies, mm. uh, and you discovered that the men were got preference yes. Yes. over you. Talk to me, to us about that experience. Yes, uh, I, I think about. I told you there is there was about five or six of us who were recruited at the same time, yeah. and uh, obviously some were older than, than me, then. And I think about two or three of the guys. I think there were two ladies, actually. It was myself and uh, another lady who had been educated in the UK, in that group of six. And um, three of the guys were supported by the council to go for further studies. And uh, I wanted to do further studies, naturally. But somehow it was not coming through, you know. So I then applied um, for a job in the private sector, uh, that time I had also put in my application for an MBA. MBA. Yeah, yeah. The MBA again was failing you, but it had been started. So I, I had been accepted. So I went to the council to say, look, I've been accepted. Can I have support? And the council was not forthcoming. Got this job with the private sector. Uh, told them upfront that this is what I've done. I've registered for an MBA. I'm doing this. We will support you. We will pay the fees. We'll all the support that I needed. And I went back to, to the council, to Babundiwe actually, mm, and said, mm. Baba, I'm leaving. And she says, why not do it? Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not happy. I've been applying and this is what has been happening. But um, I've managed to get a private sector company that is willing to take me and take me with my baggage of wanting to advance my education. <laughs> So that's that's how it happened. Wow. Yeah. And, and talk to me about why you thought you needed an MBA. 
I think for me, it was a natural progression. Okay. Yeah, it was a natural progression. And from what I had read about the MBA, it's, it's a very practical mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, course, mm-hmm. qualification. Mm-hmm. Very, very practical. I'm not an academic, to be honest with you. I mean, I've, 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 I've tried to do academia. I failed. I've been invited by universities to say, come and lecture. It's not my area. I'm a very hands-on mm-hmm. kind of person want to get my hands dirty, want to do the work. When you look and back, has the MBA paid you paid off? Absolutely. Would is this is this something that you'd recommend somebody to do? And why? Why Busi? Like I'm saying it's very practical. Okay. You are not theorizing. Not that there's anything wrong with theory. But it's very practical. It's mm. also very broad. Okay. You know? It opens a lot of avenues. Right. You could be an engineering student, still do an MBA. It will uh, um, help you to understand how to run a company, mm. you know, in its broad sense, right. because it covers all the different aspects. And then obviously, if you want to focus on your specific area, then you can do that. Mm. But you've got a, a good understanding of what happens with the other internal departments right. within the same company. So th- I would really strongly recommend that, you know, people do that. Okay. And uh, um, also, Take the and the good thing is you do an MBA um, after you've done some work. You're a bit mature. Yeah, a bit mature. Yeah. So you can link link it with the practical realities mm. of 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 of, uh, of what's happening. So in, would in you your, your suggestion be don't do an MBA straight after your first degree? Go out into the market, exactly. see what it is that you like, and then go for an MBA. Is Absolutely. that would that be your advice? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Right. You need to understand the real world, then come and then do your MBA. But I notice now our children are just shoving through and and moving on, and and it's it's, it's very it's maybe the ones that have got families that are in business are better off, mm. and if the child is willing to actually get into the family business, do some work, because they get exposed yeah. at least to the real world, Absolutely. and then they can do the the MBA. Mm. But it's better. Two years, three years of work, mm. then you apply for the MBA. Because you've you got clarity in terms of what you want to you've do. You've got clarity. Yeah. yeah. Imagine getting free access to the Newsday, the Standard, the Zimbabwe Independent, and the Weekly Digest for a full month. What well, you can, and all you need to do, is download the Newsday e-reader app on Google Play Store, or scan the Newsday QR code in any of the AMH print publications and start enjoying the quality content. Your background with the family gets you into business. You go into the city council. Uh, amazing experience, great experience. Uh, the MBA prepares you for the market in a, in a practical way. You, you then take a break and you go into consulting. Um, talk to me about that part of your, your, your journey. The learnings from that part of your, your journey that prepares you for where you are right now. Yeah. I um I obviously left um the private sector company which yeah. was based in Bulawayo. Yeah. But I think let me just say one of the, the, the key um um lessons I got from that first job with the private sector company 
were how to structure systems mm -hmm. in a company. What company is this? Shall I mention the Yeah, name? absolutely. It was Edgar's. Edgar's, yes. okay, yeah. Edgar's, they have, I hope they still have, the best systems in terms of running a private sector company. So I was at the head office in Bulawayo. And um, again, Which managed, department? I ended up in merchandising, mm -hmm. but I was recruited as a management trainee. Okay. Um, in fact, it's a funny story how I ended up at Edgar's. Sure. Uh, um, my uncle used to work with this uh, lady who was the wife of, um, or I'm sure they're still together, the, the managing director of Edgar's. So I would quite often when I'm in town buying my lunch, my bed offices in town, they were, so I would pass through my uncle's office. Yeah. And this lady is always looking at me. And then she says, you know, you should tell your niece to, to, to come and uh, to go and model for Edgar's. <laughs> is it the way you looked, the way you were dressed? I guess, yeah, I guess, of course, I think she looked at the, the dressing and whatever. So she would say, she must go and be a model for, for Edgar's. So this one time I get there and my uncle is there and she's there. And um, she says, pussy, bring your CV. I'll take it to my husband. I didn't know the husband is the MD for Edgar's. Ah. I'll take it to my husband. You can go and be a model for Edgar's. So I prepared my CV. When the husband looked at the CV, he says, no, she can't be, <laughs> she she can't can't be, a, be model. a model. I mean, we will recruit her here. So that's how I ended up at Edgar's. So um, I then left Edgar's, got a job here in Harare, still with the private sector yeah. in the industrial areas. Um, I think I did two years there. Which company was that? Uh, Benston Manufacturing, okay. the, the shared people. The shared people, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, they, um, they used to do Van Heusen. Van Heusen, uh, yeah. yeah. That was the, the, the name, Van Heusen uh, Sheds. So I, I, I worked with them and I left them and that's when I then ended up in the uh, uh, consulting field. Mm. I got a, a short assignment with uh, somebody who ended up being my mentor. Mm. Uh, he had uh, work to do, obviously I was in the development sector, got an assignment to work with, um, I think, one of the um, development partners on the impact of HIV and AIDS in Zimbabwe. Mm. So he then says to me, Busi, you majored in marketing, isn't it? I said, yes. And he says, well, there's some work for you. Uh, go to Marondera, lead this team of researchers on the... Um, it was a cup, knowledge, attitudes, and practices of people vis-a-vis -vis HIV mm. in Marondera. I said, but I don't know anything about HIV and AIDS, you know. And uh, uh, how can I be team leader? He says, you, you majored in marketing. I said, yes, I majored in. He says, there you are. You've got an MBA. You, you've got an MBA. Go do it. And I said, how do I start? But that's when... I got my first job in the development world. Wow. Yeah. And um, very good mentor. Ended up really mentoring me and opening up other doors for me to really work. Are you able to mention him or her? Yes, Dr. Mungai Line. Oh, wow. He ended up as, as, the, as the World Bank. <laughs> My president. good friend of mine. Yeah. What an amazing yeah. man. What an amazing very, man. Very yeah. great guy. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 he gave me that first job. And really mentored me you know you now need to develop question, a questionnaire 
So I drafted the questionnaires, took it to him, he looks at it and you know, and that, that's, uh, from there I did that and then we had another assignment where they um, wanted me to do an evaluation. And then you formed your own consultancy company. Yes, that's after that I formed yeah. my own consultancy yeah. company, did a lot of work. Uh, uh, Having gone into know. this thing, kicking and screaming, exactly. I'd, I've never done this thing and so forth, and it becomes your way of uh, okay. how you earn a living. Is, isn't that amazing? It is isn't so amazing? amazing. Deep end, do it. You can do it, and uh, I want to see you do it, you know. And uh, learned my lessons there. The next assignment was an evaluation of... Uh, um, a financing um, instrument that had been provided by the Austrian, not Australian, Austrian government. So they uh, recruited me together with a lady in South Africa, a, a British guy and an Austrian professor who was our team leader. Mm. So I worked with them, but the beauty was that I'm the one on the ground here in Zimbabwe. Worked with them and the, the rest is history. I started wow. my own consulting company. And did all sorts of other things. And moving on, you, it, since 1999, you've mm. been the executive director of Empretech, uh, yes. which is the job that you have right now. Mm. Talk to me now, Busi, about what, who is Empretech? What does Empretech do? What does your daily job look like? Empretech um, is part of a, an international, worldwide um, family of organizations that uh, seek to develop entrepreneurs. So um, started, the organization started in uh, Latin America and uh, from there came to Africa, uh, Ghana, Nigeria, Zimbabwe was the third country to have the program. It started as a, in a program, mm -hmm. the program installed uh, um, in the country. So we, we, we provide a whole range of services that look at uh, startups or scale-ups. Okay. In other words, people that really want to start a business, they've yeah. never been in business, mm. they're green behind their ears, yeah. they want to know how do I start a business. Mm -hmm. And then scale-ups, those that have been in business but are facing challenges, or maybe they're not even facing challenges, but they want to mm. grow their businesses. Mm. Mm. So, that, that's, so we provide a range of services, training in entrepreneurship, understanding yourself, as an entrepreneur, um, and then um, understanding how you can work with other people, whether they're suppliers, your customers, or potential partners, funders, mm. or even uh, your equity investors. Mm. Uh, how can you work with this whole range of stakeholders that um, can come in and, and assist in the development of your of your business. Mm. So uh, we offer a range of services, training, advisory services, mentorship, um, facilitating linkages with financiers of whatever kind, uh, helping to access different markets, you know, and... Um, Do you provide finance at all? No, we no. don't. That's why I'm saying facilitating Facilitate. access. Okay. So we don't provide finance ourselves, but we help people to find okay. finance for their businesses. Yeah. Yeah. In, in, in your experience within the Zimbabwean setup, within the regional setup, maybe starting mm. with Zimbabwe, what do you find are the biggest challenges that people who want to start up uh, mm. or scale up, what are the challenges that they, fa they face? I think at the moment, really, our, our environment is not facilitative to businesses starting up. 
yeah, our policies are, are, are not consistent. Um, you have uh, a lot of bureaucracy, but I, there's work happening around that. Mm. There's work happening around that. I think one of the, the, the reasons why I was all over the place and you couldn't uh, catch me was I was doing some work with um, two of the development institutions, looking at the war regulatory environment. environment in the country, what can be done. And uh, having done quite a lot of that way is really, you write documents and you put them there, never implemented, which is a, a disease that I must say, we as Zimbabweans have. Uh, this one, we particularly pushed it to say, we don't want it to be just another study. Mm. And uh, um, the relevant ministry says, we are tired of studies. And I said, I am in agreement. We're tired of studies. Can we have a situation where after this, we move on to something that will be implemented practically and we see the results of it. Mm. So it's, it's, it's really our environment. It's not uh, 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 supportive of businesses. I, I can't go into it. Mm. If you look at now, for example, exchange rate, we all know what's going on yeah. in that front. How does a business even function yeah. in a situation like that? Yeah. If we look at, uh, uh, you want to register a company, you're yeah. a startup. Yeah. Where do you go to? Mm. You know, how many different uh, uh, um, doors should you be opening looking at you go to the register of companies it takes forever to register you go to to you've got to be zimbra compliant and how many of our small guys know how to maneuver and get zimbra compliant you go to nasa compliant now uh, um and you you you're looking at invariable because of the conditions economic environment a, a, a lot of people now want to start businesses are people who want to survive. Mm. What I would call our survivalist uh, entrepreneurs, who I, I, I know very well, with some support, can grow into something, even though they started from a survival mode. But this is somebody maybe who has nothing, mm. and you expect them to be going to all these uh, uh, different places. Why not have one place where they can register? And be compliant I, I thought uh, they said Zida was that one stop shop. Zida tends to look at our investors coming ah. in, as you know. Foreign Zimbabwe investors, invest not, foreign not, investors. Lo not local investors. They do, I think, also look at local investors, but now it's your bigger investors. Yeah, okay. We're looking at your small, oh, yes. micro, micro, media. Yeah. yeah. So can we have a situation, a similar Zida at that level? Where maybe you even talk, just like you and I have national IDs, why can't we have that business have a national ID? That once it's registered with the register of companies, given that national ID, and that national ID is shared with all the other agencies that are relevant for it to, uh, to, 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 to. So they don't have to be going there to register. Mm. They've already become compliant with the register of companies. Whether they are registering a company, they or get ticked on all the they things. They get ticked on all the others. Instead of running around, you know. Mm. So assign a national ID, uh, company, whether they're a private business corporation, 
a partnership. Are, are you making whatever. traction as far as that is concerned? I believe there's some traction. Yeah. I believe the relevant ministry is working on that with the support of our development partners. Yeah. yeah. For, for me, the thing is, why we need development partners to nudge us along things that we should be doing because they are good for us. I think there's, I mean, it's uh, um, looking at the work that I do and looking at my colleagues in other parts of, of, of the world. Organizations such as the one that I run here are funded from the fiscals, you know. You but yours is not funded. Mine is not funded from fiscals. That's why now the development partners realizing that that's a very important organization because when you look at it in realistic terms, who is the private sector now? The private sector are these small and medium enterprises that we're talking about. Uh, the majority of our large companies have closed. They've fallen by the wayside. So our private sector is now being driven so the wealth creators, mm -hmm. the job creators, are these people that start because they simply want to survive. Absolutely. But they're facing tremendous hurdles. Exactly. Exactly. So it's 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 a issue. You you know, you're asking why do we have to be nudged by the development partners? I think we need to look at it to say, um uh Empletech, you are there, you're supporting. Can you be uh, funded from the fiscals? Yeah. Is it possible? You know, like what happens with with other with other countries. I mean, I can mention my my compatriots. Sure, absolutely. Uh, you look at a country like Jordan. Um, uh, Jordan. You even have the king of Jordan really going into the Empretech Center because he realizes that if I have an institution like this, this is the institution that will help develop. Absolutely. Our Expand the tech space, create more jobs. Exactly. Um, you know, the, 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 the positive cycle is, is, is unending. Remove the young people from the streets. Absolutely. Look at what we have in wow. the country. You know, if you had a situation where uh, Empretech is funded properly, for example, they can and we can manage to actually take our children from the streets. So for me, what breaks my heart, Busi, uh, is the young people that I come across, particularly mm. because of this platform that we've created, mm. who've got amazing ideas, yeah. who are frustrated. I was talking to a young lady who's gone into um, Kudzai Makaza, who's gone into manufacturing um, uh, food uh, mm. using banana starch and stuff, yes. no electricity, um, all sorts of hurdles that are put in front of people that have got mm -hmm. great ideas to create jobs, create a tech space, mm -hmm. remove our young people from from the streets. Mm -hmm. But all that they face are hurdles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What else apart from these hurdles, uh, Busi? Apart, apart from mm -hmm. the being running around with registration and so forth, what, what else? What other challenges? I think are? the financing. Financing. The financing becomes uh, is a very very key component. Yeah. Um, you might say we've got the banks, but are they giving the appropriate finance? And by appropriate, I'm talking about maybe let me use an example. We've got a lady there that we're taking through training, and she she stands up. She says, "Ma'am, uh, I'm doing um, dairy cows." And um, I need to increase my dairy cattle. I've identified a South African supplier. They can supply me with 10 of these. 
and um, I get a loan from our agriculture mm. uh, bank. And they tell me, or our women's bank, and they tell me, uh, we want to start repaying the loan next month. Mm. But ma'am, I still, I haven't even got those cows mm. into the country. I'm still organizing. So the finance that they want to give her is inappropriate in the sense that it doesn't give her the grace period. Yeah. How can she start repaying the loan before the even, even the cows have hit home? Mm. What would be a suggestion? What should be done? I believe more thought and more, uh, uh, I don't want to say discussions or conversations, no. but practical implement. We know what the problems are in the country. We know. The answers have been written. You've got stakes and stakes. I mean, we call ourselves the most intelligent in Africa. Most educated and The so most forth. educated. Yeah. The answers are there in our cupboards. Mm. You know, they are there. I mean, I was nearly, when I was offered a job to, to do something, I said, no, I'm not going to take this. The man was attractive. I said, I'm not going to do this. But why? I said, because we know the answers. How many other reports have you asked people to come and do the same survey, the same work? Let's open Just the do it. Let's do it. You know, so I'm not going to accept this. Much as you would like to say, ma'am, we're going to give you so many whatever. I said, ah, ah. pull that one out <laughs> and we implement that one, <laughs> you know. So that's, that's our other. The other one is skills. Mm. Yeah. So it's our environment, it's the financing, mm. it's the skills. Mm. A lot of our young people don't have the skills. True. I, I, I started to ask. Initially, I used to refuse, you know, because I'm here in Zimbabwe. I said, no, 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 we still have skills. But I started to notice it even at a personal level. When I say I need an electrician to come and sort out something at my house, I mean, it's a nightmare, you know. So you've got the technical skills, but you also have the business skills. Mm. It's not many people who are fortunate to have grown up in business mm. like I was. Mm. So we need to ensure that we expose our young people. So our skills have been eroded. Is that what you're eroded, saying? Yeah. People are leaving the country. I mean, the, the thing the we're country. facing now is that mm -hmm. everybody's training to be an SN assistant so that they mm -hmm. get, they go to the UK. Absolutely. I mean, isn't that shocking? It is sad. It is sad. But on not only that they've left. If you even look at our curricula, mm. if you look at our curricula, it's not in gender engendering business. You know, we've talked. I mean, the Ziramasanga Commission. It talked about entrepreneurship. Mm. As 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 uh, um, mm. a huge component that should be in our education system, we're still waiting to see that. And some of us have got great ideas of how you can put that in, because we've travelled, we've seen how these other countries are doing it. You know, not only travelled now, but travelled long back, and we know this is what has helped these other countries to ensure that their economies grow. So, what's stopping us from just doing it? I think it's. Um, Political will, and by political will, I'm not talking politics. Okay. We know the answers. Yeah. We know the problems. Yeah. Why just? Why not just do it? Mm. Why are we wanting to 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 keep on suffering when we could be doing better mm. uh, as a nation? You see, that for me is where where the the, the issues are. Mm. Mm. That for me is where the issues mm. are. What one thing um, that you've been, Bruce, is that you are one of uh, the few women, young women, mm. who got to be appointed on company boards. Mm. Um, when you look at the time that you 
started representing being on company boards. You're the chairman of uh, mm. uh, Kingdom um, Financial Holdings. You sit on the dairy board, uh, uh, board Infrastructure Development Bank, Minerals Marketing uh, Corporation. Has there been any progress in embracing, empowering women and more of them to occupy these positions? When you look back, have we made progress at all? I think we've made some progress. Right. I think one of the things that I omitted to, uh, to say there is that I'm also a founding member of ProWeb, oh, yeah. which is the Professional Women Executive and Business Women Forum. Right. Uh, who um, the visionary is our late, the late sister Florence. Uh, yeah. Uh, Florence but, uh, Zimbe. Florence Zimbe. Mm. Yeah. So got in there. The the the. So what we've seen is that quite a number of some of these companies, when they now want to recruit. Uh, board members, they reach out to ProWeb okay. to say, give us a list of, of, of ladies that can be considered. Mm. So I think we've made some traction. Okay. Uh, we've made a bit of noise, uh, which I think has been heard, and some people are listening. Okay. So it's... it's so it's, are you, in, are you as a, in a happy space as far as that is concerned? Happy, happy. Mm. I could be happier <laughs> if I can put it like that. Yeah. Right. But I think the, the, the main thing that I hear being said over and over again about having women in boards is that we don't just want token women. We want women who will contribute. And that's, that's something that I, I always say, uh, because I mentor quite a lot of young women. You know, I, I don't announce it to say I've got a mentorship class or whatever. But I look out and I reach out to this. When I see that there is a young woman who is doing this, I reach out to them to say, look, push that agenda. Mm -hmm. You know, give a tidbits, mm -hmm. ideas and mm -hmm. all that. So I always say, when you get into these boats, don't just get in there and be a, a, a nicely dressed up doll. Mm -hmm. It's not what they're looking for. They are looking for somebody who will contribute and contribute properly. And also know that you are not taking sides. Mm. If you're going in there as an independent director, be independent, but exercise your contributions in an independent, objective manner. Mm. Yes, if you're representing a shareholder, you're going there to protect the shareholder's yeah. interest. But go in there, do your homework. I think my first ever board seat was with the Minerals Marketing Corporation. I knew nothing about mining, completely nothing. But I was appointed. And I was still in Bulawayo. I tell you, Trevor, you know the boxes for bond paper? Mm. They sent me three boxes of bond paper of material to go through. And told me, you know, the agenda was there to say the next board meeting is on such and such. I can tell you how I perused it through those documents to read. So what I learned was that if you prepare mm. and you are able to raise questions, I used to raise MM says it by questions were always because I was so green about sitting in a board and not knowing. But I would just shoot from the hip. And my <laughs> colleagues would understand that this is a young woman yeah. who's just started. Yeah. And but those questions were questions that I know my senior board members, if I can put it like that, would have wanted to ask, but they but were now you see they're holding straight back. jacket. They are straight jacketed yeah. now. But here I am this. So I came in there as a breath of fresh air to the extent that the then chairman of the finance committee, if he was unable to, to, to be at the meetings, Uwa Wungu Gama mm, from Goero, yes. if he could not be there, he would phone and say, 
Put that Elias reality Mugama, to change. Yes. Isn't it? What yes. what another man. Absolutely. Oh, another we've lost some we've lost such yeah, amazing another mentor people. of mine. Yeah. Mm. So he would say, let us share. Mm. I didn't know how to share. Mm. So again, dumped at the deep end, but I would share mm. and you know, raise those issues mm. like that. Mm. So it's a T- tell me, um what has been your biggest mistake? The one that you look and say, Wow. That was that was a disaster. And what did it teach you? <laughs> Biggest mistake. I'm trying to, 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 to really think. Yeah. Of course I've made quite a number of mistakes. Mm. And um what have you learned from your mistakes? I think more to say get more information, mm-hmm. think things through, be more discerning. Mm. Yeah. I think one of the, the strengths that I have is the strength of discernment. But I still believe that I still need to learn how to be more discerning. Mm. I think there have been certain situations where I think, yes, I've been, I've discerned, but I believe I haven't discerned enough. How do you go through the process of discernment? I think it's really understanding and appreciating the situation that you are looking at. And not just thinking about now. But be more strategic, more forward-looking to say, yes, we are here. But if I were to look at this five years from now, mm. ten years, what will it be looking like? Mm. So I, that's how I in, always uh, look at things. Mm. Um, I mean, I have a young lady who always says, you know, Sissy, when are you, you um, can smell trouble a thousand kilometers away. Is that intuition? I think it's intuition. Okay. Yeah. I think it's intuition. She says this was... Which, which is a very important sense and habit that, that we don't take full advantage of. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's intuition. She says, if you want somebody who will smell problems, put this was there and tell you what is going on. And she will tell you, no, this one is not going to turn out right for us. Wow. Mm. That's a gift. That. It is a gift. That's an important gift. gift. Yeah. Um, the, the, talk to me now about uh, what for you is the next big thing for Empretech. I mean, you've been here for since 1999. Mm. What was the next big thing for you? What What is it that would make you happy and say, I've been able to achieve the things I wanted to do? I think we've, we've seen Empretech going all over Africa and outside and, and, and doing whatever we're doing. One of the great things is that we've, We've supported and assisted a lot of other countries, particularly in Africa, mm. to set up Empretech centers, which have been centers of note. Uh, I had a team recently from uh, uh, the UN in, in the States coming in, and they'd been to the Gambia, and they came in and they said, everybody knows Wusi and Empretech Zimbabwe in the Gambia because of the work we did there. But I think for me, the next big thing... In the thing, Gambia. In the Gambia, yeah, because we did a lot. I mean, we, we did a lot there. But the next big thing for me really to come to your question, Trevor, is to see us being um, independent of donors, hmm. if we can do it. Yeah. And I think it's something that we are working towards. Hmm. Uh, we've got a very supportive board, okay. very supportive, very understanding board. We had a board meeting um, yesterday mm-hmm. and... Um, really understanding and really to say, look, this is what I'm positing here. 
you know, we need to follow this. Okay. Yeah. Does and that mean that you'll be charging fees to your to the people that you've been providing services and more to? and more and more? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, we understand the situation. Not a lot of people can mm. pay the fees mm. that would really want to mm. want them to pay for the work that we do. But I, I want a situation where now we are more relevant to the client base that we have in the mm. country. And how can we do that? How can we be less dependent? You asked about development partners. Yeah. How can we be less dependent on, on development, development partners? Mm. You see, so that's that's the thing. Um, I know it's very difficult, especially with the economic situation mm. that we're in as mm. a country now. Mm. But I think we've got some strategies that we want to start putting That's in place. That's good to hear. Yeah. You've got two boys, mm. two men mm. that you have raised, that you love so dearly. Um, I want to know what has been raising these boys? What has it taught you? It has mellowed me. <laughs> <laughs> unpack, unpack, it, unpack it for us. It has mellowed you. Yeah, I think it has made, particularly with my youngest, both of them actually. But my youngest one is son, Stellenbosch. Yes, the, the other the one. one. The the younger one is in the states. Okay. He's starting university now, but he's already gone there. It has mellowed me, particularly with the younger one, who I always say, you know, you took after my mom. My mom was strong, mm -hmm. decisive, but very mellow. And um, he has taught me that he, uh, young man of mine. Uh, What's his name? What is his name? It's Tandega. Tandega. Yeah, Tandega Matthew. He has taught me how to love. Oh. Honestly. And um, the younger brother is actually, he is, I always thought he's stronger than his younger brother. The the older brother, I thought, always thought he's stronger than Tandega. Mm -hmm. But uh, Tando. What's his name? Tando. Tando, mm -hmm. mm, Tando Lengos. Tando is, uh, uh, I think his mom is born more than mm -hmm. Tandega. Even though he calls his younger brother. Mom. What has Tando, Tando called, taught you? What has Tando taught you? Tando has called, taught me uh, um, to say, yes, mom, support, help, but there's a limit because you tend to go overboard to the extent of spoon feeding people, you know. So he is more astute, he's more pragmatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I tend to see myself being led by the heart quite often than the head, you know. So the heart draws me to say, oh, this is a situation and this is what I must do, wah, wah, wah. But if I were to take it to the head, the head would be saying, oh, yes, this is a situation, but are you not really making these people too, too dependent? Mm -hmm. So Tando has you? focused you on that. <laughs> exactly, he has focused me on that, Wow. you know. Uh, um. And I, I, I also look at my, my two brothers because we lost one family of eight. I've, we've lost three siblings, the two brothers and, a, and the eldest sister. But my two other brothers remaining now, I, I talked about earlier on about the affirmations. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 my youngest brother, the last born, similar to Tando, he's quite loving, he's quite, but very pragmatic as well. And he is also affirmed me in that space. Wow. Yeah. My eldest brother also affirmed me in a situation that I had been and said, look, you are better than this, you know, and you, you, you can grow out of this. So let this not be a, a, a thing that worries you. And it keeps on aging me. I mean, 
is it's amazing we, that we need those voices absolutely. from time to time yeah. absolutely I'm going to turn now to our book section. Um, oh. The people that follow this show who are all over the world love books. Mm. And uh, the book recommendations is one of the um, popular sections. What mm. books have you read, Busin, that have contributed to oh. uh, in shaping the person that you become? If you can share three or so, three books, that would be amazing. The one book that vividly shaped me to be what I am as a woman is a book called The Enterprising Woman. Hmm. It's an American-based book um, by, um, the surname is Florence, okay. the lady. Mm -hmm. I read it a long time ago. It's a chronology of women, American I women, see, who started mm. businesses in different sectors. Right. And how... They went through, muddled through. Some ended up leading Fortune 500 companies. So it, from a very, very early age, it grounded, anchored, you. grounded me to say, look, you can start by mm. whether you're sewing clothes or whatever, but these are some of the great mm. lessons that we can go. Fantastic. Any yeah. other book? The other one was, funny enough, by a young lady, um... Uh, mm -hmm. the son of a lady that I call the bigger sister to mm -hmm. me, the daughter, sorry, of a lady I call a bigger sister to mine. The book is entitled The Theory of Flight. <laughs> wow. I read that book. It was published 2019. I read that book and I saw myself in that book and my growing up. Uh, um, talked about the, the main actor is a young lady mm -hmm. who is growing up in a farm. And uh, when I read that, I visualized myself in the village where my mom grew up. Mm. And maybe let me add, uh, much as I was a, a, a born a town, town. town girl, mm. every holiday my parents took us to the village. Mm. Banged us all in the car. We went there and dealt with the baboons in Matopo Hills there when they came to, to devour the, the maize. The maize, yeah. And of, obviously I was so scared of baboons, mm. you know. But this young lady, she took me back to the life in the village, describing how this uh, main actress in the in the in her book narration. Yeah. She went on to win uh, um um a prize, international for prize for wow. that book. It was her first book. I think she has done another one. The third one's going to be released, I think, later this mm. year. Mm. She writes so well. I mean, deep writings. Uh, she's based in South Africa. Mm. A young girl from Zimbabwe. Fantastic. That here. Fantastic. Yeah. Wissi, thank you so much. Um, you. you know, what your wealth of experience, your journey, uh, the lessons that you've shared, um, mm. I have no doubt will be an inspiration to a, a lot of people out there. You are right in the core face of uh, mm. building entrepreneurs and uh, institutions for our country. And we're very grateful mm. for the work that you do. 
We wish you the very best. Thank you for finally finding the time <laughs> to join us on in conversation. Mm. So thank you, Busi. Allow me to turn now to our viewers, Busi, who are all over the world. Uh, who follow this uh, uh, show on a weekly basis. Remember, we are out on YouTube, mm. 7 a.m. every Monday. Uh, 7 a.m. Central Africa, African time. To ensure that you don't miss out on any of uh, these quality conversations, I invite you to click on this button and subscribe. Subscribe, share, comment, and like. We've also gone a step further, and we now have podcasts mm -hmm. uh, on all big uh, podcast platforms for your listening pleasure. Scroll down. We love your comments about who we should have on the show. We love the criticism that makes us grow and become better. Um, until next time, cheers.